I'm Julie. I'm Kristen. I'm Kate. And welcome to Topical Island. Each week, one of us will deep dive into a topic that interests us. Have you ever wondered how to become a Disney princess? Is diva behavior acceptable? And what does it have to do with the opera? Will we get to work from home forever, ever? Join us as we answer these questions and more. As each week, we will take you to a different topical island. Hello, ladies. Hello, island hoppers. How are we doing? Let's go. Kristen, how was your week? I know it was great. Yeah. Um, I had a great week. I was just away um, on the East Coast where COVID is not nearly as upon us as it is in Alberta. <laughs> um, but uh, Unfortunately, yeah, so I think was... you could say that about a lot of places. <laughs> hey, globally, we're maybe the worst. No, really? sec, no. But like, we're not too good. Not good. It's not good. Um, so yeah, so I had a lovely week. Uh, I... I I had a lovely week. I we were just chatting before this about like spas and such, and I wanted to share a story that sounds like I'm complaining. I had a wonderful week. It was everything was awesome. I had great food, all this. But I I stayed one night at a hotel in Charlottetown, and I went to the spa. So I'm I'm finishing up work. So I've got finished up my benefits and everything like that. So I was like, you know what? I'll go and I'll have a nice massage at a spa. Most of the time, you know, when you go to a when you go to a spa um, with a hotel, with like a nice hotel, it's like quite nice. Right. Yeah. And so I went and I was like laying there and the girls kind of started giving me a massage. And I was like, I don't know if she knows what she's doing. Like, <laughs> like I feel like this is if some person I knew just started like rubbing me down, which ha- doesn't happen very often. But, um, <laughs> so, um, so she, it wasn't bad. It was just very like, like she went to massage my arm and it was like, like the, my hand was like limping on the side. Like it was just very unprofessional. And I started thinking to myself, Oh my God, this woman is not a registered massage therapist. I'm an idiot. Uh, I can't get my benefits when it's not a registered massage. Right. And so I'm like starting to like think in my head, I'm like, how am I going to ask her? Like, I kind of want to get up. Like, it's just kind of uncomfortable when it's, it's like if someone was giving you like a, an exam and they weren't a doctor, it's like, this is just like someone, (laughs) rubbing me how am I gonna ask her and so I eventually started just chatting with her about stuff and I was like yeah I, I eventually figured out that she was about a year out of high school and had gone to like some kind of a year-long aesthetics program okay I'm assuming this might have been massage might have been a module maybe <laughs> this was part of her coursework <laughs> But I'm not even sure because she's like, oh, yeah, I do waxing and this and that. And so I was just, by the end, I was just like, this is just garbage. Like, I don't, and so it was, it was not, it wasn't like the same cost as a, you know, when you go to an, like, it was like $90 or something, including tip, but it was, made me very angry. But I'm like, it's my fault. I, I made an assumption. It was a nice hotel. I thought it would be a registered massage therapist. Mm-hmm. I should have asked the question. I'm like, I have no ground to stand on, but I don't want to pay for this. I paid for it, of course, but I left a nasty, like they, they sent me a note afterwards asking. And I pretty much said that like, she was very nice, but it was like any, like, you know, my partner was in the hotel could have given me probably a thousand times better massage. Than she gave. <laughs> <laughs> and it wouldn't have cost here. you $90. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, 
Oh, uh, did your e- did your email review include the fact that they didn't forewarn you that their massages were garbage? <laughs> <laughs> and when you're going into a garbage massage, you really prefer to know ahead of time. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the gist of it. Again, I was like, it's probably my fault. I was very Canadian. I was like, it's probably my fault. And she was very nice, but I. Uh, I could have grabbed someone off the street and they could have given me a very similar experience. (laughs) (laughs) Was essentially what I said. And so, yeah. So anyways, otherwise I had a really lovely trip. Everything was wonderful. But I just thought I'd share because it made me so angry and I just needed to get it off my chest. Well, Mm -hmm. and a great reminder to all to always make sure that it's a registered massage therapist. Yeah. Because it's very true. I feel like it's definitely more common now that majority of them are. But yeah, yeah, I've certainly been in that situation before when... Particularly, I feel at like more of a spa-y type place than like a, a either a therapy or massage right, specific exactly. place where, yeah, they do just kind of have an esthetician that is happy to go rub you down. that module. Yeah, <laughs> extend that module. Oh, my God. Oh, Kate, any, any strangers touch you this week? <laughs> no uh no unfortunately I mean very fortunately um it's been it's been a heck of a crazy week there's so much happening September has been just so busy of course you guys know and we've promoted on our um Instagram that the ret run is coming up and I'm so excited and we've gotten some great feedback and participation so far. Um, So very exciting. But I have to say the highlight of my last week was that we had at work our senior leadership team come together for a virtual summit, which was supposed to be in person, had to change things around. Mm -hmm. And my first thought as kind of helping facilitate that uh, was how do we spice things up? And so I decided to make a series of videos in character as the iconic Joanne McLeod from uh, the Canadian legacy that is Body Breaks. And so I had a ton of fun and that was my highlight. Are are we allowed to share any of these publicly? Yes, if our listeners are at all interested, I will definitely have a couple of those videos posted to the uh, Topical Island Instagram. I think they're, even if they don't, aren't don't think they're interested they are (laughs) oh yeah you're interested everybody listening you gotta you gotta check these out (laughs) and before we get the the criticism i am well aware that i don't have the correct wig but that is to be remedied hopefully in the near future should my videos continue (laughs) so julie tell us about your week Mm -hmm. um you know september tends to be busy for a a, a lot of people. Um, My daughter's started kindergarten and, and her fall activities. So we're doing swimming and and gymnastics and, uh, and then, yeah, just made making soup and pumpkin pie because we're starting to get a little bit of that fall air and it's, it's been lovely. Thankfully it's still warm out, um, but uh, still a bit of crispness. And uh, I don't think I've actually shared on the, um, on the pod, but we are expecting a baby in a couple months here. So also doing some- You sure are. And you haven't shared. I don't think I have. Yeah. (laughs) So we're just also getting ready on that front too, to kind of 
uh, manage that change for our household and and what that looks like and uh, what that looks like, unfortunately, during COVID time. So that's kind of where I'm at. But Kate, I would love to know, where are you taking us today? Well, time-wise, I'm going to take you to the 70s. And uh, what I'd like to do is tell you a story. Okay. And this story is actually the origin story of what we know today as Stockholm Syndrome. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. I can't wait. I need to know. Okay. So in 1973, a young man named Jan Erik Olsen, 32 years old, who was a uh, convict on parole, walked into one of the largest banks in Stockholm, Sweden, took a submachine gun out from under the uh, jacket that he had kind of slung over his arm, Mm -hmm. fired it at the ceiling, and trying to disguise his voice to sound American, cried out in English, the party has just begun! (laughs) That's terrifying, but oh my goodness. (laughs) Quite the scenario. Quite the scenario. So, in a robbery gone awry, he ended up taking four hostages, three women and one man. Um, the hostages were Kristen Enmark, Brigitta Lundberg, Elizabeth uh, Olgren, and Sven Svastrom. Apologies for butchering those beautiful names. <laughs> um after he took the four hostages, and he there were more people in the bank, so he allowed everybody else to leave, um, he made his demands, which were um, he wanted approximately $700,000 in U.S. money, a getaway car, and the release of his imprisoned, quote-unquote, colleague, Clark Olofsson, who was 26 and currently incarcerated. And so he wanted, he called in backup, if you will. <laughs> So within hours, the police had actually delivered Jan's uh, fellow convict, as well as the ransom, and a blue Ford Mustang with a full tank of gas. Really? Within hours. So demands met. However, they then found themselves in a bit of a situation, I'm assuming, of okay, well, now what? Do we leave? And like, obviously, they're going to follow us. Like, what? what's our next step? And I don't think they knew that. Particularly this Clark Olofsson, who, you know, got a knock on his prison cell and was like, hey, come with us. You need to assist in a hostage situation. <laughs> oh, my God. There's no, no relationship? So there is a – the relationship is that they knew each other from prison, but mm. it's not like I, – I have a feeling that Jan hadn't preempted Clark with any of these plans. Just a surprise, a little surprise. Just a little surprise. Um, So he was kind of thrown into this situation. And so once they were all together, they ended up putting the hostages in a crowded bank vault. As, of course, the drama unfolded, this captured headlines around the world and basically played out on live television across Sweden and elsewhere. That led to the public flooding police headquarters with suggestions of what they thought they should do to end the standoff. (laughs) So helpful, I'm sure, some of these suggestions were. Well, a couple of the suggestions ranged from um, a concert, a very loud concert of religious tunes that would be played by the Salvation Army Band. (laughs) 
(laughs) to sending in a swarm of angry bees to sting the perpetrators into submission. (laughs) Okay. Sorry. Okay. So is the idea with the Salvation Army uh, like that they would be singing a wholesome message to get, get them to like, remember you know their morals or was it oh i took it as the opposite okay in which that like what's the most annoying sound we could possibly play to these people (laughs) but there yeah maybe maybe it was the head of the salvation army band that came in and said look we really know how to turn people around (laughs) we would love to put on a concert (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Turns out they the police didn't take any of those suggestions. Oh. And so this this situation leads into a second day. So by the second day, the hostages and who were allowed to communicate with the outside world. So they were allowing the hostages to call their families. And the media was getting the message that the hostages were becoming more critical of the authorities and their handling of the situation than the robbers themselves. And they were kind of accusing the authorities of I'm not sure if they had any access to the news or if they were hearing what their their thoughts or their potential strategies were on this, but they were accusing the government of basically playing with their lives as innocent wow. bystanders. So mm-hmm. just so I understand. So, uh, sorry, what's the main guy's name? Jan. Jan. Okay. So Jan asked for what he wanted. He gets mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And instead of hopping in the Mustang with his bud... Uh, he locks the people in a vault and then just stays put on site yes. while the cameras are rolling. Mm-hmm. This, this is what's happening. Okay. Although hostages treating these people with compassion and a bit of dignity, I don't know if they got to use the bathroom because they were locked, like kept in this vault. So, mm. and that's not actually mentioned anywhere, whether or not they got those conveniences except for after the fact i believe that he had yawn had mm-hmm. commended his um colleague clark for going through this like stinky and crappy situation uh together and so i have a feeling that they were not allowing hostages to necessarily use proper facilities okay but in the vault regardless the the hostages kind of felt like yeah, this isn't great, but the police or authorities should be doing something more than what they are doing. Something more. And okay. so a couple mm-hmm. other examples of the compassion that the captors showed were that Jan had at one point draped, I don't know if it's his or another, somebody else's wool jacket over the shoulders of hostage Kristen when she began to shiver. Oh, sweet. Um, <laughs> and also soothed her when she had woken up from a bad dream. Also, allegedly, he had given her a bullet from his gun as a memento. Oh. As a, like a keepsake. So, you know, so. in case she ever decides to forget this, this series of events in her life. <laughs> and then also he, I think Jan also, had consoled Brigitta um, when she couldn't reach her family by phone because they had given them access to call their families. And he, he uh, you know, consoled her and said, try again. Please don't give up. Okay. Oh, gosh. Like, the irony here has no end, but okay. When hostage Elizabeth complained of claustrophobia, he was so kind, he wrote, he 
attached a 30-foot rope to her and allowed her to walk outside the vault while attached to the rope. Um, (laughs) And the quote from Elizabeth is that, I remember thinking he was so very kind to allow me to leave the vault. Okay. Not to jump too far ahead, but I always thought that Stockholm syndrome like took some time to like work its way in. It sounds like within a couple hours, these people were like, Oh, how nice for him to just, what a thoughtful guy creative too. Now I'm not sure how far into the situation. These are the examples that they're given, Mm, but I'm not sure. And of course, all of the quotes would have come from after this after the fact. And so this situation actually lasts six days. Oh, Oh. and he was feeding them. Sorry. Did I miss that? Was he was feeding them? Something? You know, I didn't catch anything. I didn't read anything about food. Hmm. So well, I'm not sure. So when the police commissioner was allowed, he was actually allowed inside to inspect the hostages, make sure they're healthy and see what condition everything is in. And what he noticed when he left the vault was that the captives were extremely hostile towards him, but seemed very relaxed and jovial with the gunmen. <laughs> Go even in the face of physical harm, the hostages still saw compassion in their abductors. So Jan had suggested um, that they shoot Sven in the leg to kind of shake up the police and show them that they really mean business and we, we need to move things ahead. And, and uh, in an interview to the New York Times, Sven was quoted to say how kind I thought it was for him to only shoot me in the leg. What a... Okay. Anyway, ultimately, nobody did get shot. Um, The convicts did no physical harm to the hostages. And after six days, the police pumped tear gas into the vault by drilling holes from the outside. And that was the end of the situation. The perpetrators in that case very quickly surrendered. However, the hostages tried to protect their captors to the very end, insisting that they all come out together in a group because they knew if they sent the captors out first, um, it would give the police a chance to take out the bad guys, basically. Wow. At that point, when everyone is out of the building, each of the women gives their, cap- gives their captors a kiss goodbye, and Sven shook their hands. This is bizarre. Well, psychiatrists thought so, too. <laughs> <laughs> and so, after none of them would testify against their captors in court... They actually instead began raising money for their defense. What? Yeah. It was, I actually found that they said that Kristen, one of the hostages, had actually lied on the stand saying that Clark had never held a gun during this time. But they know that that was not true. Wow. This is amazing. Because it's not like, well, this was the first ever hostage situation to ever happen globally. No, like obviously... There's been others. This seems like such an unusual outcome. Did he have a sob story or something? Like, did he convince them of some kind of... I don't think it was a sob story. From what I read, I think it was more charm than anything. Particularly the guy who was called in. Mm -hmm. I forget which one of the hostages had described Clark as a mix between Che Guevara and Jesus. And so, like, they thought he was quite the snack. (laughs) Wow. And just very, very charming. They were all approximately the same age. Um, so that might have been why he brought in that guy, if he thought he was really charming or something. Oh, Ooh. maybe. I hadn't actually thought about that. 
Well, and maybe even Clark had, maybe this was Clark's idea, actually. You know what I mean? If he was that charming, maybe he kind of inceptioned the idea into Jan and said, mm. and you know, I would, I would help you if you were to do something, but you'd have to get me there and I'm stuck in prison. And maybe, huh. yeah. well, that's interesting you say that because um, Clark was quoted as saying, as describing Jan as a very, as a useful idiot. Huh. Okay. At the end of the day, when everything's said and done, Jan got 10 years in prison for this act, but Clark got no time wow. because basically he was like, I didn't ask to be a part of this. Like I wasn't the original hostage but taker. Did, he, did they leave him out of jail? I'm assuming he went back to jail for his original crime. <laughs> <laughs> and he did, they do say that he, he ended up, although he got no time, he was in and out of jail throughout kind of his, his life. life. <laughs> huh. But the hostages uh, would actually make jailhouse visits to their captures throughout the time, for, through the time that they were in prison. Wow. Unbelievable. Isn't it? So the term was coined by a Swedish criminologist and psychiatrist, Niels Berjot, um, after the Stockholm police asked him for assistance in analyzing the victim's reactions to this bank robbery because the police were like, WTF? Like, yeah. this is not how people act in these situations. And so they, he, he did that. He, it, you know, interviewed the hostages and coined this as... When you feel compassion and you almost, despite the fact that your captors put you in a life-threatening situation, you also see them as the reason no harm came to you. Interesting. And Jan later said in an interview, it was the hostages' fault. They did everything I told them to. If they hadn't, I might not be here now. Why didn't any of them attack me? They made it hard to kill. They made us go on living together day after day like goats in that filth. There was nothing to do but get to know each other. So the captor is saying, ugh, these hostages <laughs> were just too nice. It was so annoying. They followed every instruction. Yes, that is exactly what he's saying. And he's still, they're still visiting him in prison after he said that. There you go. He was probably, I mean, for all we know, he's probably like, guys, get out of here. <laughs> Try and make a break I'm not for your it. friend. <laughs> oh my God. There's so many different psychological aspects happening here. You've got Clark, the, you know, charming sociopath, maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't know. You've got Jan, the, what was it? The beautiful idiot? No. <laughs> the useful idiot. Useful idiot who is just like, can't take any responsibility to the point where he's like, I really wanted to kill them, but they were just so friendly. <laughs> like, and then you've got four, four people who are just like, I don't know, have some sort of like a savior. Well, they have Stockholm syndrome. They, they yeah. thought their captors were their saviors. Bizarre. Isn't it? And that is the origin story of the, of what we now know as Stockholm syndrome. Does it happen, like, so there's no real cases of that happening before, but, like, is it, like, a phenomenon that that happens, or was it specific to that situation? It's not specific to this situation. There have been other in which they give credit to Stockholm Syndrome. One of them 
being, and this is probably a topic for itself, but the story of Patty Hearst, uh, who was the granddaughter of publisher William Randolph Hearst, was taken hostage by the Symbionese Liberation Army, which is like an urban guerrilla group, and then actually ended up um, denouncing her family and working with the group that she was captured by. Um, And so, like I said, that's a topic for another time because I don't know much more than that. The situation does occur. Right. It wasn't just this one one thing. Um, And then the other, well, the other thing I'll leave you with is apparently there's also Lima syndrome, which is the opposite. And so it is an inversion of Stockholm syndrome, which has been proposed in which the abductors develop sympathy, sympathy and um, and or potentially feelings for their hostages. Oh, okay. Which Jan did not do. <laughs> no, I don't think Jan cared. But there was an interview done with Clark in mm-hmm. which he said that him and Kristen were actually had actually become more than friends at one point. Oh, during in, during in the, the six days? <laughs> no, not not in the vault. <laughs> no, after the fact. Wow. Although I hope that Lima thing, like, it makes way more sense that you would, you know, that you would find sympathy for your, the people you've kidnapped. You would think. Definitely. Much of a stretch, right? As like, oh, I'm falling in love with the person or whatever. No, absolutely. The people who have shackled me, you know? Yeah. So interesting. And I had no idea it was so recently. I thought Stockholm Syndrome was this old thing. Um. Yeah, to be honest, but I didn't know I didn't know anything about the origin story before I kind of started to look into it because I I had just thought that somebody okay, this is embarrassing, but I just thought <laughs> Stockholm syndrome was somebody got kidnapped for a ransom in Stockholm, you know, maybe the daughter of a wealthy so and so and they ended up falling in love and going off together. That's what I thought it came from. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not the case. It could have, although, I mean, it's a variant on that, I guess, if Clark and Kristen did end up together. Well, I mean, I don't think in any official capacity, but (laughs) more than friends is more than friends. (laughs) This, that is so interesting. Oh, yeah, I kind of, we could definitely do a part two of Stockholm Syndrome. Absolutely. It also makes me think of the, um, well, just cults in general. I was thinking about like Manson and his followers that like some people have this level of, call it charisma, gravitas, whatever, that people just buy in and do crazy things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point, Julie. Because yeah, like I don't think, like it, I mean, it could happen, but it wouldn't be as likely to happen. I don't think Stockholm Syndrome would be as likely to happen if, the people weren't charismatic to some degree and it is incredible. Or good looking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, I mean, the cult thing's amazing too. We have so much to talk about. I know. So many episodes to cover. So many episodes left here. <laughs> Don't worry. We're not even at the bottom yet. Yeah. <laughs> but fascinating. Thank you, Kate. Yeah. Good one, Kate. Any hoodles? Chris, did you got some good news? <laughs> so... Kate's last story reminded me a little bit of this story, which is, again, just a recounting of a CBC story. But have you guys heard of Henry the Hen, the crossing guard at the New Zealand school? No. No. (laughs) Wait, the hen is the crossing guard? (laughs) 
So what? Uh, he is the traffic control officer. Okay. I'm, I feel like it's probably a loose term, but um, Henry the Hen, I guess, showed up at this uh, Newstead country preschool in rural New Zealand. And um, because she they, she's had her beak trimmed, clipped, they think that she probably escaped from a like a nearby farm. But she showed up, and I and I don't. Apparently, she just never left, and she started following the staff into the staff room in the school, and so she really thought she was part of the flock, <laughs> part of the flock, part of the team. And so they've actually given her a little um, vest, a little safety vest. Yeah, I just saw it. Get out! It is out of control. Adorable. So I just thought if we could from now on just have crazy bird stories as our happy stories, I think that'd be great. But please, um, and why do we not put more <laughs> safety vests on animals? <laughs> but even even not only that, so that's great. I mean, I, I I'm hoping that this hen isn't solely responsible for helping preschool children cross the street. <laughs> I'm guessing it's a little bit more of a novelty type of thing, but you never know. Um, but the other funny thing about her name is is her name is Henry, right? They actually got their name because one of the kids went to school and like was convinced that this chicken who was there was um, his chicken from back home named Henry. So they just like called it Henry all day, but it wasn't. But now its name is Henry. (laughs) That's awesome. I thought you were going to say the child thought that the chicken was like the embodiment of his like deceased (laughs) grandfather. Henry. Just the the chicken from back home. Okay. that's amazing what oh a great story it's a pretty cute story and i feel like that yeah the benefit as julie mentioned was that um it does wear a safety vest and so we'll definitely have to post that on the old instagram and like it's clearly tailor-made for henry the hen this safety vest. Oh, it would have to be <laughs> it is it's it's just perfect i will say i'm, I'm a little confused by this story because it's Henry the Hen. It looks like a rooster. They call it a chicken. It, it cock-a-doodle-doos. So unclear so, of the gender. But they, they claim it to be female. It, yeah. I'm not sure. That's okay. Anyways. Okay, we don't have to put Henry in a box. Um, no. Yeah. I just want to be clear that I may have said a multitude of things, and but that seems to be how they describe Henry in the article. So. Well, this has been a great episode. What I thought was going to be a challenging topic ended up being weird and hilarious. And then to top it off, the Henry the Hen is just um, perfect. Well, did you find what you were looking for? 